Hey, John, Tony DiSilvestro here. So glad to have you on today. John Dumas and, uh, you know, entrepreneurs on fire and, you know, being an entrepreneur for 40 years, I'm like on fire every day. So I'm excited to have you on and thank you so much for coming on my podcast and just sharing your wisdom and everything you do with me today. And I'm loving it. It's going to be a great show, brother. I know. I can't wait. So, um, you know, I, um, I started out as an entrepreneur at eight years old and, you know, you've interviewed so many entrepreneurs over your career. Your list is unbelievable. And a lot of people I've been around at times, but, uh, you know, I'd love to just like dive in deep, man. Like I, I read like a lot of your story and your passion and, you know, struggling for 30 some years financially. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, sh that's one of our biggest things. You know, there's always a point in every entrepreneur's life where we struggle and the failures are what make us great. Let's um, dive deep brother. I know. So I, uh, I want to just kind of feel that. I want to feel that like from you and like all the, the wisdom that you have, um, uh, with entrepreneurs and these podcasts. It's just, I'm, I'm so excited. I just want to hear more. Cool. Can't wait. Yeah. So what, can you tell me a little bit about some of that experience and some of the and most exciting interviews you've had with some of these entrepreneurs? I love waking up every day knowing that I'm going to have a conversation with an entrepreneur who is literally, and in most cases, figuratively on fire because they've lived it all. I mean, they've had the successes, they've had the failures, they've had the aha moments, the ups, the downs, everything in the middle. And it's really great to have conversations with individuals like those who have really that life experience that you can draw from. No matter how much experience you've had, adding their experience to your mix is only a good equation and good ingredients for success long-term. So, you know, that was my passion 10 and a half years ago when I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, 4,000 episodes ago. Wow. That was what I wanted to do was just talk to as many people as possible who consider themselves entrepreneurs on fire. And that's what I've been doing now for 10 and a half years, 4,000 episodes, 150 million listens, and uh, the show just keeps growing. I keep expanding my mind every time I get to talk to an amazing entrepreneur like yourself. And it's just what I love doing every day. That's so cool. And, you know, I read one thing you had said, you know, solutions to common problems. You can, you can achieve uncommon success. I read that and I'm just like, God, that's like every day I live, you know, because I'm a solutions person. So like I always say, what is a problem? Problems and opportunity. Opportunities create solutions. Solutions create results. Results create ROI. I preach it, you know. So when anytime I read somebody talking about being solution driven, and I think that's a lot of thing that's missed with entrepreneurs. I mean, that's how we think. We take problems and we create solutions and we take friction and make systems and, you know, that's it's so fun to hear you say that. And then you create 17 steps after listening to all these entrepreneurs. And it's just like, gosh, I, I love the process and the systems that you've put into place from learning. Well, there's from these one things. thing that I think that people should imprint upon their hearts, especially as they're starting this journey, is if you can create the number one solution to a real problem in this world, you will win. And that is a simple statement. It's not, not an enough. easy statement to accomplish, but it's a simple statement. And if you can make that happen, you are going to win because, brother, people are going to beat a path to the doorstep for the number one solution to a real problem that they have. And they're going to ignore the second best solution, the 10th best solution, all the way to infinity. And we have so many people out there right now who are seeing what you're doing, who are seeing what I'm doing. And they're saying, oh, I'm going to become a pale, weak imitation 
of what other people are doing that are being successful. And guess what? Nobody wants a pale week imitation of somebody else. Nobody wants the second, the 10th, the 12th best solution or imitation of the number one solution. You need to find a real problem in this world that there's no competition or the competition's poor enough that you can come in and dominate with the number one solution to that real problem. It doesn't have to be a huge problem. It has to be a real problem. And if it's a real problem, you will find people that will pay you for that solution. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, yeah, like I always call it mirroring. And I know you call it something different, like mirroring others, but then being better than that, right? So like we talk about competition and entrepreneurship. And like my daughter just started her own jewelry company. I said, she's like, dad, somebody down the street is doing the same thing as me. I said, all you have to do is be better and you're selling you. You are the brand. And and it's really like, you know, I mean, there's a million restaurants, a million pizzerias. I started on pizza on the Jersey Shore and there was 10 pizzerias on every block. You just had to be better than the best of them and create a, disrupt the marketplace and create a better product. And then you we won every time. But let's go deeper because I think that scares a lot of people because they're like, well, how do I become the best pizza place on the block? It's like, what you do is this. You find what you want to do. You find that solution that you want to create. And then you go out there and you do look at your competition. You do study your competition. And then you say, okay, what are they doing wrong? Or what aren't they doing at all that they should be doing? If I could go to an online forum and look at the one and star two, uh, one and two star reviews, what are people complaining about with these pizzerias, with this product, with this service? How can I take that learning and not try to replicate, you know, Tony's right. pizza shop, but say, I'm going to create the exact number one solution that is a void right now, that is an underserved opportunity in the marketplace. And I'm going to create the best solution within this micro niche that for some reason other people are ignoring or just doing poorly. And that's what you do. So this individual that's copying your daughter's uh, jewelry, I mean, if they're copying her directly, then they're just going to get swallowed up whole because it's a saturated market and they're going to get ignored because nothing looks different. Everything looks the same. It's called the red ocean. But if that individual instead was like, well, this is what Tony's daughter is doing that's so interesting and so amazing and probably why she's having success. But what isn't she doing? How is she not serving her market? Not not because she's doing it poorly, but maybe because she doesn't want to be serving that part because that's taking her focus away. That's taking distraction from what she does best. Those are the niches that you dive into. You craft your solution there. And then over time, you can wedge in and then grow and expand as your market conti- continues to tell you what they need, what they want. Sure. And like, and we do it all the time, like, you know, in restaurants, you know, this, everybody's fighting that third party delivery and like, you know, and now COVID all of a sudden comes around and I had all my own stores were delivering. I'm like, hell shit, we got to get with the people because people now say they delivery, they want ease of access. Right. So Uber created a solution to your point, but now as an entrepreneur, you have to adapt to changing markets and changing environments. So if you're not adapting, you're dying to me. And you know, what if you did rely on Uber? Well, what are they doing now? They're trying to create all these ghost kitchens out there. that are creating the exact same pizza that you create, you know, because they don't have anything. They don't have a storefront. They don't have, they just have a, a kitchen and then they're doing everything for less overhead and faster because it's all right there, mass production. And boom, like now all of a sudden you're in trouble because you were relying on them. Now they're going to take away that opportunity. So, I mean, yeah, I love 
identifying the niche. What can you do different, special? How can you create something that you are in complete control of? Of course, you want to use opportunities as they come. Sure. I always say to yourself, like, what am I doing to protect, to build a moat around the business? Like a lot of people say, John, like doing a daily podcast was really hard. Why'd you do that? I said, because it's really hard. Because guess what? <laughs> the higher the barrier of entry, the lower the competition. One sure. more time. The higher the barrier of entry, the lower the competition. Of course, it's flipping hard to wake up every single day, 365 days a year and interview an entrepreneur and everything that goes behind the scenes of doing that. Of course, it's hard. But it's because it's hard that nobody else could do it and that I created that and I did that. I was first to market and I'm still only to market because people can't keep up the processes and the systems and the consistency and the pace that I've done now for a decade. And that's why Entrepreneurs on Fire, the day that I launched Tony was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Wow. It was the worst daily podcast. <laughs> it was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. So I went down to a niche that was being completely ignored for good reason because it's flipping hard to do a oh, daily yeah. podcast. And that's what you need to be looking for if you're watching this interview right now. What do you want to do? And then how do you make it really hard to copy? How do you build a moat around it so that when you are successful, and when I was making millions of dollars a year, just 13 months into my podcast, if it was easy to copy, everybody would have been copying it. And sure. then I would have been saturated too, because what do you distinguish? But it was really hard to copy. So even though I had a business model that was generating millions of dollars a year, people couldn't copy it because it was too hard to. Wow. Yeah. So but like entrepreneurs, I love that. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, being an entrepreneur my whole life. And I always said, like, I never worried about competition because if you were going to work as hard as me or had the different experience and were able to create an experience like I was creating, then come right next door to me and open up. It doesn't matter to me. And even with my SaaS companies, it's the same exact thing, right? I, I basically built SaaS companies out of friction, right? Like I'm working with all these companies that are driving me crazy. They can't give us a solution. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to build my own SaaS company. And um, But I want to get into a little bit like Entrepreneurs on Fire. The it resonates with me so much, right? I always tell people I'm in the dirt. I might not be on fire, but I'm in the dirt. So it's the same kind of feeling. So you know, today when I mentor people and young entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're dealing with a different environment today, right? We're going into recession. Entrepreneurs are freaking out, right? And, and they're, they're having trouble adapting and seeing a way out of this recession. You know, I've been in four recessions, but most entrepreneurs today have never been the recession. If you've been in business the last 12 years, you've never seen a recession. So what have you, the experience you've had with other entrepreneurs that are older, right? I've seen your list are older entrepreneurs. They've been around a long time. How do they deal with adversity? You know, because I think it's something that these entrepreneurs today have never dealt with. They deal with adversity by looking for the opportunity within that diversity. They say, right. okay, this adversity, this is going to expose people who are not prepared. You know, I love that Warren Buffett quote is, you know, when the tide goes out, you can see all the people that were swimming naked this whole time. <laughs> never there's, heard that. <laughs> there's a lot of people that have been swimming naked and they're oh, yeah. going to be exposed. And so if you've been re recession proofing your business, if you've been building the right moats, the right walls around your business, become self-reliant, you know, been focused on, you know, saving for that rainy day proverbially and growing a really financially sound business, you know, this recession is going to come. It's going to go. We don't know how long it's going to take. But at the end of it, the people that are still standing are, are going to look around and say, wow, there is a lot less competition than there was right. 
during the bull market. That's just a fact. And, you know, I was in real estate during the 2008, 2009 real estate, you know, crash. Right. You know, I was still in college actually during the, the dot-com bubble. So I just kind of saw that, you know, as a, as a young college student, but I was at least aware that it was going on and, and, you know, what that, you know, could result in for a lot of individuals. So, you know, there's so much opportunity within adversity and that's what the entrepreneurs on fire that I interview every day are not necessarily excited about because nobody's excited about a recession. Nobody's wanting a recession. Nobody wants people to lose, but the individuals who are really on fire, who have lived like you through four recessions or more are saying to themselves, this is another cycle. I've dealt with them before. There's going to be opportunity for those that survive. I'm going to survive. I'm going to look for those opportunities and I'm going to go all in. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, during COVID, COVID hitting, like me as an entrepreneur, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm bored out of my mind. So I opened up four businesses during COVID. I'm just like, my wife's like, what is wrong with you? You are on fire. You're crazy. <laughs> but Literally. Like, yeah. But the thing is the recession today and like entrepreneurs that I'm working with today, I'm like, streamline your business. Go back to day one. Don't, don't forget about like what you did day one. You were nimble then, right? How are, you have to go back and redefine your systems, your process, your procedures and rebuild that building. Because to your point in 2008, after that 2008 recession, I had my best 10 years ever, hmm. ever. I crushed it. We have more expansion during those 10 years than ever. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. You see the restaurant industry, construction industry is about to take a big hit. Real estate's taking a hit right now because of the interest rates. So you're going to see those eight. I talked to agents the other day and they're like, all the young people are freaking out. <laughs> but they've been there. They've done it. So tell me real quick. Some, tell me a guess. Like Gary Vee, I've been around him a fair amount. And so some of these other entrepreneurs, like Gary and I kind of, I'm from Jersey, so I got this craziness about me. Um, tell me some of the most interesting entrepreneurs you've interviewed with the vast amount that you have. So many. I mean, it's countless. You know, I've interviewed Tony Robbins to Barbara Corcoran to Mark Cuban to Damon John, you know, so like all the big profile high, you know, shark names from Shark Tank and, right. you know, all the way through to entrepreneurs who you've never heard of, but are just behind the scenes, absolutely crushing it and doing amazing things. And that's the beauty of doing a daily show is that I get to interview all kinds of people from all kinds of industries and all walks of life. And they all just look at life differently. They all look at life like with a unique angle, but at the same time, they all follow like the same core principles. And as you referenced earlier, you know, my book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, that's not my path to success. That is the collection of the knowledge that I've gained from interviewing 4,000 successful entrepreneurs over a decade that collection of knowledge, putting it into that very structured, very formatted, very step-by-step -step proven process that is a common path to uncommon success. There's nothing that's crazy about that book. There's no like weird algorithm or platform you need to do. I mean, the book is going to be as valuable in 2055 as it is in 2025. Like it's just sure. one of those things because it's the core principles that successful entrepreneurs have been following for decades, if not hundreds of years. I mean, you can look back to a merchant in the Roman times and they were applying these principles to their trade because they are principles that have stood the test of time all of these years. We're all standing upon shoulders of giants. Sure. It's been passed down all through the years. You know, you hear everybody talk about, you know, Napoleon Hill's thick and grow rich. He was standing on giants from people that came before him. Sure. And it goes down and down. There's a reason why history 
is broken down into his story because we all have stories. We all come from stories. We all learn from stories. We learn from history. We learn from stories. And that's very yeah. powerful. I was in um, Pompeii in Italy. And you said, it's funny you say Italy. And I'm walking around Pompeii. And, you know, it's 3,000-year-old streets. I'm walking down. I'm, first off, I'm amazed at that. Then I walked over this section. And, like, I've been a cook since I was a kid and owned bakeries, wholesale bakeries, manufacturing, everything. And I walk up to this. The, it's a grain mill. And it's got these handles. And I'm like, shit. They were doing the same thing 3,000 years ago. And that, to your point, it's so crazy. I stood there and looked at it and said, man, not, nothing's really changed in life. You know, he had customers. They had to create an experience. They had to differentiate themselves every time they did this. So it's just really cool how you bring that up. And uh, But Italy is amazing. And like when you go back and you look how young our country is and the United States, how young it is, and you look, go back there and you're like, God, we're not reinventing anything. And, yeah, and even I books, like you said, your book is going to be good 100 years from now. And like even my book, I teach business fundamentals, the pure basic business fundamentals. And it's the same exact thing. I, I'm, it's nothing that you read a thousand business books. They're all just said slightly differently and everybody resonates different with each one of them. I just got back from a 23-day European river cruise where we started in Bucharest, Romania and ended wow. in Amsterdam. So it was going up the Danube and down the Rhine and it was just a stunning trip. And you're just going by civilizations that are a thousand, 2000 years right. old. And you realize, you know, these people, you know, back in the day were on this, the banks of this, this river doing their thing. You know, they were no deciding doubt. how can I provide value to other people? How can I create solutions to people's problems? That's right. That's the world. That's the secret. So like, I don't know, like I can tell like your passion's crazy, like with entrepreneurs, like me too. Like when I sit with entrepreneurs, it just, it's like giving me nitrous, like crazy fuel, like talking with so many entrepreneurs for so many years, like I can just see it in your blood, man. Like it's exciting talking to entrepreneurs. Does it fire you up? Like when you get done a podcast, are you like, I, I can't control myself. I'm like ready to go attack. It's what I love doing. You know, I love speaking with people who have been on that entrepreneurial journey, who have the battle scars to prove it. You know, I was an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years, so I know what it means Thank to, you. you know, provide service and to, you know, be part of a company, a platoon, a battalion, and, you know, to execute orders and to kind of come back and learn from your mistakes and, quote unquote, have the scars to prove it. And, you know, that's, that's what the entrepreneurial world is. You go out there, you take your hits, you take your lumps, you make your mistakes, but you learn and you apply those learnings and you get a little bit better every day. Like sure. I love the books and I love the um, different podcasts and, and, and blogs that really talk about that compound effect of just getting a little bit better every single day and something and then over time, it's unbelievable the exponential results you have from that daily improvement. Yeah, so I'm just starting my podcast. It's kind of funny, like my own podcast. I've been with Forbes for a while now with my book. And I started my podcast, kind of did my other one the other day. And like, just crazy. Like, I'm great if I'm talking about entrepreneurship and I'm good with that. But what advice would you give people out there? And isn't... and Comparing it to entrepreneurship, like I founded 33 companies and I've been around entrepreneurship my whole life, but starting a podcast is nothing different than another business. And you've, you've created an amazing business out of it. So like, what would your advice would you give somebody like me or somebody looking to do the same thing? 
you've got to find your unique edge. Like, what is your podcast going to do this difference? And like, don't tell me like, oh, I'm going to interview entrepreneurs about their passions, about their failures, about their successes, because so aren't hundreds, if not thousands of other people. Like, what is you, what are you going to do within your podcast that is actually unique so that when I get off this call and the interview is over and you reach out to me in a couple of weeks and you're like, Hey, John, like the interview is live. I would love if you share with your audience. I'd have to be like, well, I can't because you just asked me the same questions that everybody else has ever asked me. And I've given the same answers because those are the true answers. And then now, like, I can't share the exact same interview that I've been on to my audience with my listeners who have already heard that version of my response time sure. and time and time again. And if you have a unique interview that has some really special and some some cool angles, then you can do some really cool things. Like I was actually recently on a podcast that was all about college sports. And I got on there and I have a huge passion for college basketball. I'm a huge uh, fan of my alumni, which is Providence College. It's a big basketball school. I never miss a game. I'm in Slack groups. Like I follow the recruiting. I go to the tournaments when they're in the tournaments. Like I, I know the coach. I know literally all the players on the team as far as like, like, you know, I know them. Like, I don't know. They don't know right. me, but I know their height. I know their weight. I know like how good of a shooter they are. Like I know these people and we had the most amazing conversation about that unique topic that I never get to talk about, but that's a huge passion of mine. And when that interview went live, man, I got to share that with the world because I had never got to show my audience that side of me before. And they loved right. it. And that was really cool to hear like what you get really fired up about in a non-entrepreneurial, non-business setting. So I tell people all the time, if I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire in 2023, it would fail because I wasn't a good enough podcast host to make it special. It wasn't unique enough to be special. And when it got swallowed up by the mass of podcasts that are out there in the world, not even just podcasts, I'm talking just about content in general. Sure. Back in 2012, there just wasn't really any competition. So I, I, I was able to suck for a decent amount of time, slowly getting better until I was able to really be producing a great podcast on a consistent basis with still little competition that allowed me to dominate the landscape. And like that gave me this head start that I've never relinquished. That's why I'm still you know, the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. That's why I have 4,000 episodes and the next closest person you know, is probably close to breaking 1,000. I don't even know what they are, but wow. they're not even close because they just don't do the quantity for the length of time that I've done. Sure. But again, I'm very open. I'm very awesome. Like this show launched in 2023 fails or, or at least achieves very minimal to little success. That, but the one that I launched in 2012, the timing was right. My domination of sure. the market was right. And so I tell people that are launching podcasts, how can you, just like we talked about earlier in this episode, how can you identify niches and identify opportunities that aren't actually being exploited right now by other podcast hosts and go all in. Like what was Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan was a guy that, Hey, he started way early. And then he has the longest form interview you've ever heard. And <laughs> he just built up an audience and built up an authority and a brand around that. And now like every male under the age of 30, you know, thinks Joe Rogan is some form of a God. And, you know, he has a bigger audience and following than like actual news international and you know national news stations like it's insanity but he did that but if joe rogan started his exact same podcast in 2023 with the skill level he had back when he launched it he doesn't nobody even even opens their eyes up at sure. it it's just another long-form talk show 
That's crazy. I love that. It's so true. I mean, you have to be different, differentiating, disrupting the marketplace. I love that. So tell me, Puerto Rico, how how cool is that? Like being able to do your podcast from Puerto Rico and, and just loving life down there. Listen, I lived in San Diego for a number of years. I love San Diego. I love Southern California. It was beautiful. Great people are there. The weather is amazing. I have very little bad things to say about it, except they do not want you to achieve success on the business front because they will tax your face <laughs> off and then tax you more and then tax you more. So in, in a place like California, it's two steps forward, one and a half steps back. So are sure. you making progress? I guess technically, but at the end of the year, you're like, I made millions of dollars. Why is there almost no money in my bank account right now? Like right. that's painful to work that hard. And I like to say technically is like when you're living in a place like California, Virginia, you know, New York, like you're working for the government for six and a half months. Did you no grow up wanting to work for the government? Because you Hell are <laughs> for the first six months of the year. So when I heard about Puerto Rico seven years ago, thank God, I wish it was eight, but seven years ago, which was an amazing seven years ago, when I moved here, I started working for the government until January 18th every year, not June 15th, wow. just for 18 days. And then the rest of the year is mine because I pay a flat 4% tax rate. I pay 0% capital gains. I live in a dream home overlooking the Caribbean, you know, in, in, a, in a beautiful house that I paid for in full from the taxes I saved in 17 months. Wow. And this is a multi-million dollar home that's gorgeous that, by the way, has appreciated three to four X in value since I got here. So imagine that money had just gone to the government and I was just paying rent like I was in San Diego. I would have had no asset that I now have that's worth six, seven, eight million dollars that I have now for my initial two million dollar investment. That, by the way, I saved in the first 17 months of taxes. When you start keeping the money you make, like actually keeping the money you make, everything changes because then you start investing in yourself, in your sure. business, in philanthropic causes. I've been able to be so much more philanthropic since I moved here, which is amazing. Me getting to, to decide what I do with my money. I mean, who would have thought? You know, but yeah, here I am getting to do that now again for seven years. And I have a 20 year decree that's going to allow me to keep doing that, that I can extend for 10 years every time after that as well. So it, we could be speaking in 40 years. I could still be doing the same thing. Like it's wow. that sweet. And uh, it's been it's been fantastic. So what what is a child like? Can you imagine like if you went back to you when you were a teenager, like doing what you're doing today? What was that inspiration? Was it your parents? Who was it that gave you this epiphany or this ability to do what you do? There really was no inspiration when I was young. <clears throat> I just came from a very traditional background. I went to high school, college, army, then law school, corporate finance, commercial real estate. Like I was just going the only traditional path that I thought could bring me success and wealth. And they brought me no success, no wealth, and even more importantly, no happiness. So then I started my personal journey at around 28, 29 years old. So it took me a while, but I finally figured out I need to start educating myself. And that led me to read the books, listen to the audio books, listen to the podcast that, you know, very few and far between back then, but there were a handful that were doing some really cool things. And that led me to being like, wow, I need to get closer to these successful entrepreneurs. I need to have one-on-one -on -one conversations 
with these successful entrepreneurs so that I can ask them the questions that I have that I know other people have as well. And that led to the launch of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I just haven't looked back. That's awesome. So if you had to tell entrepreneurs one thing today, like if, if you had 25 entrepreneurs sitting in the room, what was the one thing for them to be a success? So it's an Albert Einstein quote that really smacked me in the face when I started this journey, which is try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. And for the first 29, 30, 31 years of my life, I was trying to become a person of success. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Nobody told me otherwise. And I wasn't successful. I wasn't happy. And it wasn't until I, I read that quote that I said, well, wait a second. Albert Einstein's a pretty smart guy. What is he talking about here? What does it mean to be a person of value? And I started thinking about it. And I said, well, I think launching a free daily interview with a successful entrepreneur dropping value bombs would be pretty valuable because it's not going to cost anybody anything. It's just going to cost them their time, which they're probably wasting driving to work or sure. you know, in the gym lifting. Not that, not that exercising is a waste, but what are you doing while you're doing that great exercise? Hopefully consuming some great content as well. And that was kind of the inspirational launch entrepreneurs on fire. And to kind of keep the theme that we've been talking about, I really would want people to really ingest an imprint on their heart. That one phrase, you need to become the number one solution to a real problem in this world. Very few people can look in the mirror right now and say, I am the number one solution to this real problem. And that's why you're not having the kind of success you probably desire. Because when you can say that, sure. then it's only a matter of time. No, there's no doubt. I mean, creating value and then that success is critically important. But that, I love Albert Einstein when he's saying, like, you know, creating value and not being so focused on success. And I kind of say it in a way, like when people are focused on money, I'm like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? I want to be rich. I'm like, don't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, you know, really focus on the solution and the problem you're solving. Um, but that's so true. And it's great advice that you give. Um, do you have family down there? Yeah. So I moved down here with my then girlfriend, now wife, who is five months pregnant with our first child. So my son is going to be born on wow, congrats. 11. Really? I love that number. I'm August 11, so I like 11. So it's a good Very number. Cool. It's going to be yeah. 111123. So, so what does like 10 years from now look like for you? And does it like interviewing all these entrepreneurs, have you ever looked at doing open up like a side hustle, another entrepreneurial business? Um, and have you gone down that road? My mind's always moving. You know, we run Podcasters Paradise, which is the biggest podcasting course and community in the world. I've written four journals, you know, one traditionally published book, as we mentioned earlier. I've tried some other things like, you know, in the health and wellness. And, you know, there's always things that I'm kind of thinking about and, and kind of, you know, playing around with it. Of course, with AI, there's always some exciting sure. opportunities within that. So, you know, I, I like to tell people like, I'm a coiled spring. Like I'm ready to pounce on an amazing opportunity, but I'm not willing to waste that spring until I find the next perfect thing. Because until now, I'm working hard with Entrepreneurs on Fire. I'm loving it. The revenue's pouring in. Business is great. Life is great. Work, life, balance is fantastic. You know, as soon as we get off this call here, I'm going to meet my trainer in my own personal gym, you know, down here that just overlooks the Caribbean. I'm going to have awesome. a killer workout. I'm going to 
do a infrared sauna that I'm going to jump into my cold plunge, you know, that oh. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to enjoy the sunsets and then I'm going to, you know, have a great meal cooked by my wife and, uh, you know, rub up, rub her belly and, uh, wish my, wish my boy some speedy growing in there and pet my dog, Gus, who's a three year old, <laughs> 60 pound golden doodle. Who's just uh, a lover. And you know, life is good. So is this John Jr. or what are we doing here? Never will I name my son John. <laughs> you know, it's a fine name. Um, and it's actually one of the most consistently popular names over the past 113 years. Oh my gosh, you've done a little research. <laughs> Not specifically on my name, just on names in general. And that came up of like, you know, the only name that's been in the top 20 for all 113 years is John. It's like, oh, wow. it's, it's, like it's so consistent. But there's just way too many Johns in this in, in my family, in my opinion. I, again, great name, strong name, too many in my family. I do not want to add another one. So there will not be a John Jr. in the house. There you go. I love it. So anything else? What's your favorite thing to do outside other than working out? And what are your, some of your great hobbies that you have? Sleep is a great hobby of mine. That sounds funny, but holy crap, is it so important. I've, you know, really always valued my sleep. I didn't always give it the correct value during college, the army and some of my other, you know, low twenties or uh, late twenties, early thirties years. But over the past decade, I just continue to dial that in more. I've made it a game. I've made it a hobby. You know, I, I wear an aura ring every single night because my wow. goal is to get over eight hours of sleep over a 90 sleep score. I got a 96 sleep score last night, which is why I feel so great on a day-to-day -day basis because for me, it's sleep, nutrition, exercise in the health space. Those are in order right. the three most important things that I found specifically for myself. You can do the other two things right. If your sleep's off, it's, you're, you're a disaster. It's just not going to work. So I've really been doubling down on that. It's actually kind of one of my side projects that you inquired about that I've got some ideas on because of how important sleep is. You know, it's why, you know, I look like I'm in my mid thirties, even though I'm in my mid forties and I feel great on a day to day basis and uh, life is good. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I hired a nutritionist six months ago. He's the nutritionist for the NBA and like, he's just, he saved my life. And as an entrepreneur, like I'm stressed out, you know what I mean? I'm going, not eating right. And I had this guy. Are just, you sleeping though? I sleep. I sleep. I'm like you. I'm like a babe. I sleep what like time a are you in bed at night? I'm in bed 10 and up at six. Okay. I'm nine to six. So the earlier you can tweak that back, it may sound like it's a little early, but man, once you so start nine hours, nine hours. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the problem with the most people. They just do the math. They're like, oh yeah, I go to bed at 10. I wake up at six. You know, that's eight hours. No, it's not eight hours of sleep. You don't fall asleep right away. You have multiple, multiple wake-ups throughout the night. You are, best case scenario, getting six and a half hours of sleep, given what you just shared with me. Best, that's best case. And most, a lot of people are getting worse than that. That's why you need a legitimate tracker to actually know. And so I'm in bed sometimes for nine hours and 30 minutes to get eight hours and 15 minutes of sleep. Because that's what matters is your legit sleep, the, the amount and percentage of your deep sleep of your REM, of your light sleep, what's your HRV score, your heart rate variability. One of my buddies was like, I got a, you know, a good sleep score last night. I went to his HRV. People won't know what this means for probably, but you know, he had a 17. And you know, I'm, okay. I'm like a 65 or higher every single morning when I wake up. And so that just means while he's sleeping, 
his brain's not recovering in the way that it needs to recover. So I wow. mean, even though he thinks he's getting a good night's sleep, because he's doing some really important things incorrectly during the day and evening leading up into his sleep, his HRV score is a disaster. And that's making his overall energy throughout the day a disaster. And then it all adds up. So we're going down a rabbit hole here, obviously. I love it. It's, it's about, hey, tell, it's exciting. For me, though, like as entrepreneurs, we use so much brain power. And like this nutritionist is saying, you know, you guys think you're entrepreneurs. It's great for your brain. You're always thinking. He goes, you can burn your brain out. And he's just like, it's so critically important. Your cognitive is critically important to being a successful person in life. That's why I don't think much. I really don't. I just sit there and I stare into space. I love it. So the aura, it's called aura ring, right? Do you have? Yes. Aura ring. O-U-R-A. Aura. That's awesome. I need to get one. Apple watches do a good job. There's other things like that. The aura ring is what I found to be the most uh, beneficial. And then it really just starts you kind of like getting little other little hacks. Like, you know, now I have blackout shades in my room because you don't want any light coming in. I have what's called an Uller, you know? So, I mean, it's the, it's the bottom layer of my sheet and it keeps my uh, temperature at, you know, exactly the coolness level it needs to stay. So I don't wake up and like I'm hot and I throw the sheets off at night. Like that just disrupts an incredibly important sleep cycle. And that can really, you know, be a disaster. So you start like putting these little things in and like it all adds up to where now again, like I pull up my score every single night and I look at it and I'm really adamant about like how I do. So like, here's my score. I got a 96. Wow. My total sleep was almost nine hours. Like it's not really coming in right there, but I see it. Almost nine hours, my efficiency, you know, my optimal. Then I scroll down and I can actually see my actual, um, you know, how many times I woke up during the night, like wake up, wake up, okay. wake up. And that's with a great night's sleep. And, and so I would love to, like, that's why, like, you're, you're in bed from 10 to 6, but, like, you know, there's my HRV, 74. It's <laughs> an amazing HRV score. My buddy had a 17, and he was bragging about his sleep. Like, you can't brag about your sleep when you get a 17 HRV, but this is the kind of stuff that you geek out on when you start. No, man. Out. This is but you, like your side hustle, right? So, like, you're like, but, like, I love what you're, like, the way you process, though, your mind is processing so much entrepreneurial mindset so because awesome. I, I think about every little detail and every single thing I do in every business. And it's like, I wasn't even thinking sheets. I'm going to go buy an oar ring and now I got to buy sheets and now I got to buy this. And yeah. like, that's what it's the consistency that makes you successful, right? It really is. And it's going back even further to what we said, you know, about just, just get 1% better, you know, every day. day, every single day. So don't make these big giant leaps all at once. Like just take it and get a little bit better every single day. Like I'm always walking around my house and I see something that's just not perfect. And I just make that one tweak. And if I hadn't right. done anything like that for, for five years, this house would literally be falling apart. For sure. But it's in pristine condition because I just do one or two little things every day that keeps the place up. And it's not a lot of work. Each individual time frame, it's over time, it's, it's added up to you know hundreds of hours of work. But I don't even really think about it because it's just what I'm doing day to day. Hey, knocking them out. That's all it is. And, you know, so entrepreneurial fire. So like the fire, did the name ever change? Never changed. Never changed. That's powerful. Like I'm known for changing names of companies. That's what I do. Yeah. I walk in and like, that's pretty powerful that you've never I mean, changed. I, do, I did shorten it up to uh, EO fire for like a kind of ease of memory for people spelling, but like, I don't know if you can see this, but you know, the podcast is called Entrepreneurs on Fire. Um, the website's eofire.com just for ease of like, uh, you know, nobody can spell the word entrepreneur. So I won't, I won't put you to the test. 
Um, I'm a, I can't spell, but I, you know, do you compete with EO? Are you familiar with EO? I am familiar like, with them. They've, yes. they've tried, they've, they've tried reaching out and being a bully a few times and I just, you know, send them <laughs> to my lawyer and they go away, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So I'm part go of EO. Away. So it's kind of fun, yeah, but um, go away. You're, you're a little bully. Yeah, they are. So, but I love the fire part. And, I'm, and like I said, like for me, it's always been about being in the dirt, but you know, I have no hair left. Obviously I burn up in a pizza oven one day. So I was understand the fire part really well. But, your um, your hair went in a pizza fire? It did. Well, it started that started. Yeah, it blew up in my face. Spent a week in intensive care. And yeah. Did you have so. like your eyebrows go too? Oh shit, my eyebrows, my ear was bleeding. It was crazy. Ooh. Yeah. So I just lit a pile of the safety valve was bad and it just blew up in my face. But so I've uh. literally been an entrepreneur on fire. So <laughs> again, I always say, you know, for people figuratively and literally, but I don't mean the literal part until now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Exactly. But no, I love it. Um, like I said, entrepreneurism to my core, man. I love what you do every day, helping entrepreneurs and, you know, the power of what you do every day and the impact that you make on an entrepreneur's life is invaluable because we learn from our mistakes and we learn from other people's mistakes. And always as a young kid, I wanted to learn from other people's mistakes so I didn't have to make the same ones. And I think that's what you do every single day. And I don't, the, I'm sure you understand the impact of what you're doing. It's really cool, man. I call it the ripple effect. And, and that's what I love is that like right now, somebody's listening to a podcast episode that I did honestly, nine, 10, six, four years ago. Like th right now they're listening to it somewhere in the world as they're skiing, as they're hiking a mountain, as they're doing something, they're listening to that podcast that I did years ago. And they're getting value from that podcast right now in this moment. And then they're going off and doing great things with that knowledge, with that inspiration, with that motivation, you know, creating a ripple effect of their own. And like that to me, three, four, five degrees of separation is really exciting. And I just love the ripple effect. And that's why I just keep pumping them out, baby. Yeah, I love it. But like I always like to say, like entrepreneurship is the loneliest place in the world. It's the loneliest profession by far, you know, because we're still I haven't found it that way, to be honest. What's that? I haven't found it to be that way. But and you've interviewed 4,000 entrepreneurs. Probably because of what I chose for my path. I am right. speaking with unbelievable entrepreneurs almost every single day, you know, 365 conversations a year. So I found it to be a very like packed place of amazing individuals. But, you know, that was the journey that I chose. Yeah, and it's great. But like most entrepreneurs are afraid to talk to other entrepreneurs. And what you're providing, though, is that outlet of, hey, let me hear the mistakes they made. Like, you know, it's not about the success of what I've done. I've, I can tell you about some massive failures in my life. And that's where I've learned everything. But that's where I, I when I teach entrepreneurship, I'm not teaching them like my successes. I'm teaching them the failures and how I created systems based off of it. You know, so it's really cool what you're doing. I really I love it. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I would love that if you have any questions for me, if uh, would love for that. I know it's the backwards way, but um, just an honor to be with you. Well, I guess I'll ask you a question. What is one meaningful business thing you've changed your mind about in the last six months? Keep thinking because your guy will cut out this dead air. It'll be fine. No, that's fine. I, you know, <laughs> the, the one meaningful thing that I've probably changed is understanding human beings in a different way, really taking more time to understand because during COVID and everything, the work ethic has changed and saying, Hey, I'm trying to put a square peg into a round hole. 
And we need to adapt with the environment that we're in today and stop being these old school entrepreneur mindsets and systems and adapt to the human element that we're dealing with today. Mic drop. Yeah. I um it's it's a torture thing for me because you know as an entrepreneur you know you you set up systems from day one you're constantly changing your systems and you know I love people and I tell every entrepreneur I work with we're not we're all in the same exact business we're all in the people business and the more I can help entrepreneurs and my managers and my my staff understand that we are in the people business we have to adapt to them it's critically important but it took me, it, it's something I had to consciously think of though. Like you said, what is the most impactful thing in the last six months? I had to consciously make an effort to think of that. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm that mind person, you know, always thinking, trying to improve and. <laughs> don't and, burn your mind out. Yeah, no, don't burn your mind out. No doubt, John. But um, I, I, I don't want to take much more of your time, but I can't thank you enough today for really spending some time with me. And I, I'm honored to be with you today and. Um, I love what you're doing for entrepreneurs and helping the world of entrepreneurship. Tony D and JLD rocking the mic. I love it, man. No doubt. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to give you a shout about some Puerto Rico stuff. Um, Cause I, I, if you, my wife is in the room, she'd be dying that you live in Puerto Rico because I've been saying for the last two years, we're moving to Puerto Rico and I have a beautiful home. And she's like, what are you, we're leaving this home to go to Puerto Rico. I'm like, yes, we're going to go. Beautiful live in Puerto thing. Rico. You can still stay in that home for six months of the year. Both of them. Right. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm coming down. I'm getting out of Virginia for November, December, January, February, March, April. Which, by the way, are the glory months of Puerto Rico. Right. They're beautiful, right? November 15th to April 15th. It's perfect weather. Good. I'm coming. I want to know, like on the sidebar, we'll sidebar where you live. I'll find out and live near you. So I don't know if Dorado is not the place I need. I don't know Puerto Rico. So I'll give you the scoop. I'll give you the scoop. Okay. I love it. John, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure. Adios, brother.